sometimes, you know, people say we're in this digital transformation phase, but the digital transformation in most companies that we work with has been going on for 10, 15 years. It's not really a transformation anymore. It's, it seems like a constant because things, things change. Sometimes it makes sense to have someone who could do a bit of both, but it also makes a lot of sense sometimes to just hire in the experts just when you need them. And that's basically, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just figuring out, you know, what are you paying? How much are you using them? We established these very firm workflows. Where, where do we put in our competencies? This is where we brief. This is where we do the creative ideas and so on. And that actually frees up time and resources to be more creative in different places. So you can, you can jam the idea at the right time, so to speak. So on today's episode, you're going to find out why you should be moving your marketing in-house. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss it. So do stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. So welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. So the episode with the interview you're about to listen to is one I had with Casper Sirslev, who dialed in from Denmark, Copenhagen, D Denmark. And um, he's had quite an illustrious enterprise, um, you know, um, <clears throat> career. So he's just a background. He's, he's worked for the likes of, of Maersk. If you don't know Maersk, they're like um, a global shipping container business. Um, and he's worked for several other companies, startups, um, and I think also the financial services and e-commerce. And um, the recurring theme in, in his journey has been um, essentially empowering their in-house marketing capabilities at all organizations. And off the back of that experience, he decided to um, to set up his agency, which is 100, um, I think the, the 100 employees strong right now. And what they essentially do is they help businesses um, of all sizes essentially bring more marketing competences in-house. And there were a couple of reasons why he said it's, it's very, very effective. He talked about building systems. It's easier to build systems. Well, they build systems, help you build the systems to allow you know more of those processes in-house, um, workflow systems. But I think the main thing, the, the main point I took away from this conversation was more the speed and agility to making decisions. And there's some kind of in-house problems that you solve faster rather than having to sort of fall back on an external agency. And um, that time, you know, kills um, performance, essentially. So it was a very interesting conversation. So who should listen to this episode if... Um, you're you're an in-house, um, you know, um, you're 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 running an, a a brand, and um, you're starting to think through, um, you know, potential areas that could be brought in-house. Um, great to to listen to it. So even if you're an agency owner serving e-commerce um, models, e-commerce businesses as your business model, you might want to sort of um, use a resource as a service, you know, um, model. It's similar to Nirav Chef. Nero from um, who came in um, a few episodes back, who spoke about you know how he works with um, with AG1 or Athletic Greens, um, how they 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 allocate full time resources to Athletic Greens essentially, and and those are you know extensions of their business that they're, they're like full time staff essentially. Um, so 
the 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 interesting perspective so you can learn either if you're your consumer brand or um you're you're an agency looking to sort of tweak your 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 business model a, a little bit um it was a it was a fun convo um and yeah hope you you get value from it um and yeah i shall catch you on the other side enjoy hey folks it's kunle campbell here with some thrilling news my new book e-commerce growth strategy a brand driven approach to attract shoppers build community and retain customers is now available want to catapult your brand from obscurity to unstoppable this book is your ultimate playbook packed with insights from years of experience and over 400 episodes on the 2x e-commerce podcast this guide is a game changer it's out now on amazon bands and nobles and waterstones and other major bookstores don't miss out grab your copy today and let's get your brand from zero to iconic Hey Casper, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. It's been uh, I've just been looking forward to to this, um, especially given the fact that your key ethos is giving organizations and and giving companies, whether it's D 2 C e-commerce businesses or, or or large consumer brands, that capability of moving their competences, creative competences in-house. So really looking forward to this conversation. Um, but before we, we get started, I'd like you to please introduce, you know, yourself. Um, you could go back as, as far as you want, you know, your journey. I just love to know your journey um, up until, you know, what you guys are, are doing at, at your agency, which I believe is called Zeit. Yeah, yeah. So um, so so now we're running a company that helped uh, businesses move their competences in-house. So we, we both analyze their companies' uh, companies needs uh, by looking at how are their vendors set up and how are their workflows as such. And we also help them design it. But then we also move on and actually hire people in and setting it up and running it for some companies where, where that makes sense. Mm. And it all started out, uh, I would say 10, 12 years ago when I joined Maersk, which is a big global uh, container shipping company that I think most people know, mm -hmm. where I was uh, heading up the creative team. And I also realized that heading up a creative team, we were, we were using so many different agencies uh, around the world, um, doing basically the same thing because in different markets, they didn't have that overview and they were producing same onboarding guides for, 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 for e-commerce, for, for how to book a container and, and so on. And then I started out building a small in-house team. Um, I didn't really have anywhere to, to look for inspiration. I didn't know anyone. So I had to figure it out <laughs> kind of myself. Um, and that, um, that was actually really funny. I, I realized that a lot of it was, was looking at some of the boring stuff. I'm really into the creative thing, but the, the way I figured out that, that you could work with creative minds and doing better creative thinking was to free up time by not doing too many revisions rounds and so on. And, and in a way, I, I realized that it was a lot like when I started out uh, in high school playing um, music. I was playing in a jazz club in Copenhagen every Thursday night. <laughs> um, and I'm not that good, but I played with better musicians. Um, mm. And we were kind of like the backing band. And then we had good musicians, famous musicians from Denmark and around the world coming in and jamming with us. And in a, in a way, it's, 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 I think this 
is the same because we knew kind of the jazz standards, so to speak. So there are, I don't know, 30, 40 standards that we would play. And everyone was just coming in and say, oh, could you play Autumn Leaves in A minor or something like that? And we mm. knew that. So we kind of knew the standard. We knew how to play. We knew the workflow, <laughs> to, to, to use that, uh, that story. And then the, the good musicians, the, the, the soloists, on, would play on top of that. And in a way, it's the same that we do now. We establish these very firm workflows where, where do we put in our competencies? This is where we breathe. This is where we do the creative ideas and so on. And that actually frees up time and resources to be more creative in different places. So you can, you can jam the idea at the right time, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that I realized uh, not necessarily at Maersk where I built the first in-house agency, but later on when I moved to, to Saxo Bank, which is completely different. It's, it's not even a bank, actually. It's, it's an online trading platform. It's called Saxo Capital Markets in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized most of what I was doing there was the same as at Maersk. Uh, not necessarily ideas and the brand on top of it, but the creative production, the translation, the versioning process, creating all the different banner sizes, the, the social media content and so on. Mm. Um, and then I moved on to George Jensen, <laughs> building in another in-house team. And I realized this is exactly the same. It was more e-commerce driven, more brand um, storytelling driven, but it was the same. And that kind of led me to, to, to write the first book called Moving In-House about all the things that I learned from from that um, jazz approach, so to speak. Um, um, so that's, I guess, that's kind of my story. Then we we started out this the company called Site, where we now are around hundred people helping hmm. helping companies build that in-house capabilities, knowing when to pull in the I would say rock stars, but that doesn't rhyme with the jazz hmm. uh, story, but. Um, when to pull in the experts and when to 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 have in-house teams doing the more day-to-day -day work and actually being in in the knowledge of of products and brand stories and so on. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank so, you, Casper. So, that that that's really really detailed. What what genre of of jazz, um, by the way, are, are you most in most most into? Uh, so, sorry. What, uh, what what genre? What type of jazz are you you do do you like best? <laughs> Oh, it was very traditional, old school. Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I mean, I do like some of the modern stuff. But I also kind of like the Brentford Marcellus eighties uh, uh, stuff. Um, makes yeah, makes uh, sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm 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 I'm, I'm a fan also of bebop. Um, you know, I'm jazz. But we digress. So. Um, Great stuff there. Love your background. Um, from from what I picked up, you're an agency man, originally an agency man, um, who moved into um, you know um, into the main industry. You moved into into Maersk. You started your, your career in, in in logistics and shipping. You tidied things up internally. Um, gave them lots of competences in house. You know at at Maersk, um, and then you moved on to Saxo. Did the same thing moved on to to another company i believe um and uh, and then did the same thing uh, and essentially founded zeit um and, and you're helping companies now um really really bring in-house competences um rather than relying on, on on agencies which which i find very 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 fascinating um first first question i i have is more around why 
the proposition, you know, um, so, you know, agencies have been, you know, um, in the ecosystem helping, you know, brands, essentially their crotches a lot of the time, um, just supporting, um, what they're doing in-house. So, so, so why would you want to bring all that, you know, all, all, all those processes, all those people, all those systems, you know, in-house, does it, does it not affect like headcount and, and then it becomes a management issue or am I overthinking things, which I probably am. Well, first of all, I don't think I will bring any everything in, but but I th- I believe I can also see that from from when we're talking to people that that a lot of things have changed. You can now run a lot of these things from in house, and you get better knowledge. You can work better with your data because you're sitting right next to the people who who, who owns the data, so to speak. So you can build in learning loops. So you can actually look at your performance of what you're. Your con- how your content is doing, and you can do it very fast. So you can have a hypothesis on, on saying, I believe this will work. You can you can do some very early creative content stuff, and you can, within a few hours, see if it's working or it's not working. So 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 I believe in the agility. I mean, the just the amount of content that we have to produce these days have changed from... Uh, 10 years ago when I was in, in, in agencies where we pretty much did bigger campaigns and then so it was more like an in and out where now it's it's always on. It's for different personas, different user journeys. And it's just make, I mean, just money-wise, resource-wise, it makes so much more sense to be closer to, to the platforms. When you're working with e-commerce platforms or, or digital platforms like that, you have to know what's possible. You have to know basically the templates that you can use. Otherwise, you have to create an agency doing something nice. And then when you have to embed it, it's it's really difficult. So so I just think from from a I mean efficiency point of view, it makes sense to to bring things in. Okay. And and then what would you say are the first principles leaders should take on board when considering like in-house, in-house market, you know, um, in-house, um, you know, an in-house agency or an in-house setup. Well, first of all, I think uh, normally we, we kind of describe it in steps. So the first step is just what we call a production agency, so to speak. I mean, is it just the graphic designers, uh, some copywriting or some, some basic stuff that you bring in? Uh, and it, Almost all may always makes sense to bring in those resources because you 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 buy them f- f- expensively. Then the next step would be the content uh, house or the content studio, uh, and that makes sense to do that to bring in content people that can create your day to day content and so on. The next step would be more the creative, uh, and the, the final step would be a a real lead agency, so to speak. And I don't think a lot of companies, I mean, I'm sitting in Copenhagen in Denmark, and I think we have three or four companies that have like a lead in-house agency. And that would be Lego, one of them, the biggest Danish television station, TV2, uh, maybe Arla or something like that. But it's 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 not a lot of companies that make sense to have their own in the UK, it would be something like Under Armour or something like that. That would have their own, really their own in-house creative agencies. But for a lot of companies, it makes sense to bring in, you know, you already have your people working on your platforms. 
why not also have the people working on the content that put on the platform? You can easily turn in, turn things around because you know the brand, you know the products and so on. So it's easier to 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 craft uh, the content you need for your platforms and and also have this knowing from your data so you can look at it every morning. You can watch your dashboard and say, oh, that piece didn't perform that well. Maybe we should tweak it or do something else. Um, whether when you're uh, using external agencies, you you know, it says, then you, you see the data, you go back, and then you have one week, they're coming back. And, and it takes a lot of time to, to turn things around from that. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for our e-commerce brands. It's called Tread. Tread first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tread can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part? Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team. Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tread is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tread a try. Visit their website on treyd.io. That's treyd.io to learn more and get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So a production agency, content studio, and then an in-house creative agency. That's yeah. um, a lot. That's a lot. Now, um, with regards to a production agency, um, the, there's a website. Um, besides the website, if if you have an e-commerce website, for instance, I'm, I'm speaking on our, on behalf of our industry, you only get to build it once, I guess. Um, and then you update it every now and then. Um, I think what you get to do very often is like landing pages for like performance marketing and, you know, um, email flows and all of that stuff. With the production agency, um, what are the first steps in in your opinion? Um, and I'm not speaking from a 
like corporation standpoint, I'm I'm speaking to 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 to, to an e-commerce, you know, or a consumer brand, um, you know, in the region of anything from um, one million, you know, pounds in in revenue to 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 as far as um, you know, fifty or hundred million pounds in revenue. How how would you how would you sort of structure structure this this out for 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 middle market e-commerce businesses? I mean, the first thing is is, is like digital designers or, or, or web designers that can actually look at the the images you put in, the content uh, that that you you have, and I think. I mean, <laughs> I, I sometimes you know people say we're in this digital transformation phase. But the digital transformation in most companies that we work with has been going on for 10, 15 years. It's not really a transformation anymore. It's, it seems like a constant change because things things change. And I mean, all the companies, if they took a picture of the website at Maersk where I start, when I started and when I left, it was pretty much the same. But in the background, we've been doing 10 different sites, then then technology changed, then it has to be responsive, it has to be mobile first, then it had we had to figure in that people were booking containers somewhere far up in the Yangtze River in China, and we had to go down on data quality. So we were testing all these things behind the scenes. So I think it's it's a it's it's a constant journey Absolutely. to optimize these things. Mm-hmm. But then it's also about embedding content in your e-commerce platform. Um, uh, like uh, when I was at George Jensen, we realized that the more storytelling we put in our websites, telling about these, you know, our heritage or the craftsmanship actually sold more of the, I would say, cheaper products made out of steel <laughs> in, in China. Um, so when we told stories about the silversmith. Uh, where they were hammering out things uh, and it took like four to six months to do something, we would sell the cheaper stuff because of the storytelling and because we could embed it on the website and have the the more, you know, the user journey approach um, on that. It, it, it um, makes sense. It makes sense. So but, but just going back to the production agency focus, um, I, I like the fact that you, 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 you spoke to... Um, the fact that everything is changing it's a moving you know target now so so so, so today we we we're, we're trying to to figure out how to to best utilize ai you know in in all we're doing whether it's generating code or or putting together you know content you know how can we scale it up and systematize it it's, it's always changing the target is always changing i guess like for because we own a, a few businesses and what has worked for us we we it's it's not in every instance that you can afford these resources. You're, you're not we're, we're certainly not a, a mask, you know. So we we can't really sort of afford full time full time stuff. And sometimes, to be honest, like a web developer that's not challenged is just going to say, you know what, as in I'm going to quit because these guys are not challenging me enough. Um, but what what we've done in in my company is we we have a um, a, a trusted sort of network of of freelancers, you know, they own businesses, but we, we get a chunk of their time. You know, so we we guarantee that every quarter we're going to utilize, you know, so much of their time. And and so they're they're like on retainers. And so in in, in that respect, they they're vested, you know. So some of them will message me, you know, early in the morning or late at night saying, I have this idea. 
um, because we're we're like that tight niche. Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, and I think you've really we really need to sit into like that production agency, the need to your your ability to to respond to market changes very very quickly. I think do you, do you have anything to, to to say to 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 that point um, in regards to like production? You know, really bringing production in 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 house and and the importance to not just saying you know um, I can do it myself. I've seen a lot of founders say I could do it myself, or they'll they wait in the queue, uh, long queue for their agency. For, yeah. for an agency and and then you know they, they miss they miss the boat right I, I agree I mean I mean it's for, for us we have a like a matrix that's saying if we if we don't utilize a person more than 63 percent it's very precise hmm. but we've been measuring it for a couple of years now then we should go freelancers hmm. because then we're not using them enough and that's also why I'm talking about these to your other point about these steps because if you try to bring in the rock stars the, the the just the web developers or something someone you cannot challenge if it's the creative people and you're pretty much giving them you know just the, the bread and butter tasks and so on then they will leave you and they will or they will go, go complacent and you will not get what you're paying for so i think that's that's the other story it's very important to to know which level you're building in-house capabilities at, so you don't try to build a big creative setup when you only need a production house, or maybe you you're, it's worked fine with having external external people coming in. So uh, for me, and that's where we wrote the, the second book is like the win-win house. It's 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 taking the best from both worlds. It's not necessarily being one hundred percent in-house. I don't think it ever is a question about either or. It's about figuring out. Uh, and and that goes back to, to to designing the workflows back to the to the jazz story, so to speak. So knowing when to bring in people and when to to so yeah, when to have the resources available in house or doing like you're talking about having the retainer f- for them, because maybe that makes a lot of sense for a lot of companies to 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 know when to do that. But we also see a lot of companies that that just have freelancers working. Hundred mm. uh, percent within the company, and that's very expensive way to set up your systems. Uh, or you bring in people that you know are jack of all trades, mm. and that's not necessarily good <laughs> either. Because yeah. I mean, sometimes it makes sense to have someone who could do a bit of both, but it also makes a lot of sense sometimes to just hire in the experts just when you need them. And that's basically, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just figuring out, you know. What are you paying? How much are you using them? Um, yeah. And, and, and what we realized when we did the last report um, was that, I mean, it's really not a lot of companies who have done this, this calculation, have done the business case. Should we bring people in? Should we use only external agencies? It, it seems for a lot of companies that it's a gut feeling. Um, and and that's kind of yep. the, the, yep. the, the no, my my, my I, main point. I, I really love your points on your sixty three percent rule. So if you cannot utilize at least sixty three percent of the time of an in house expert, then move to freelance. I think that in of itself is 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 a nugget, you know, to 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 take away 
you know, from, 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 from there. I just realized you have a cello in your background. I'm just noticing and it probably links to your, your jazz. Um, um, uh, it's actually a bass. It's a bass. It's just oh, far behind. See me. I'm, 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 I'm ignorant. Okay. So yeah. So, so 63, that 63% rule is, is amazing. Really, really, really good stuff there. Now, um, from a production standpoint, when you bring people in house, um, how do you organize like workflows, right? Um, how, how do you, how do you organize workflows? How do you, um, just ensure how, first of all, let's go back to that 63% rule actually with the 63%, how do you measure utilization? Uh, yeah. So, so in that way, we're very agency like, so we track time, uh, basically. So we do for, for the companies where we run the in-house agencies, we sell them 100% of the people, uh, but we do track their time. How much are they actually working on different tasks and so on? So we have a dashboard and we can show them the, the outcome of all the things we're doing. If it's, yeah, no matter what kind of task we're doing. So, and, and people also register if they are, uh, um, you're not doing anything if they are having internal meetings or if they are drinking coffee and mm -hmm. so on. Um, of course, uh, we don't, we, I would say we've never had an issue where we had to let someone go because of that. But, but we had do had some times where we need to, to move people to another in-house agency because they were not using their, their skills or resources the yeah, right way. Yeah. Um, so, 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 but, but, and, and we just figured out it's, 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 it's very simple math. Uh, how much are we paying for this guy? How much would it cost if it was an external we brought in and so on? And, and we've been doing it for the past five or six years, just measuring, you know, how much are we, are we charging for this guy and how much can we, are we paying him? Okay. Um, and, and that's basically it. It could be another way of doing it. So you could also look at, should it be freelancers? Should it be moved uh, offshore or something like that? It is, is there, I mean, as you mentioned, right now there's a lot of brand marketing tech AI coming in, uh, but still you need someone to, <laughs> to run it. Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Um, a cop, a, a few months ago, I interviewed a, a chap, um, named, um, Nero Sheth. He is, is the agency owner. Basically he runs an e-commerce agency, um, which essentially is similar to, to what you guys do. Um, but what they focus on is like UX design and, um, and essentially production. Right. So what they were doing in, in theirs is like, if like you're an athletic greens or you're a Rothy's or you're, you know, true botanicals, you'll, you will have staff, which they allocate from his agency and they work on a dedicated basis on your, on, on your, um, on your projects. And then I think they have like a, a shared project manager that sort of, sort of, you know, goes on um, that, that sort of oversees because, you know, project manager would not be full-time from their perspective, um, is from your, is, is, do you think a lot of organizations should, uh, will be going down this route of, of essentially having staff that are not really their staff, but they, they've been sort of, they dedicate all their time to, towards, you know, building out, you know, their assets or, or. I think so. Yeah, I think that's where it's it's going. I mean, we see more 
for, for, for products like this, where you can both be, you know, a, a digital nomad, you can travel and you can sit anywhere in a hybrid world where you can work from anywhere, I think more people will choose that direction. Um, so, so there are two tendencies we see at the moment. The, more, the one is going in-house. More and more people are bringing in. But, but again, back to, to the, your point before, it's also about picking, you know, it's not a constant. A lot of people, they have seasonality or they have projects. Um, so, so right now we have two UX designers working in a company for the next, I think, four months. And then they're out again. Um, and they are embedded in our client's team, but they don't need, so, so, so they know the product, they know what they're working on because they are embedded. They are working directly with that one customer for the next four months. But then they are going to move out because then the product project is over. I think we've seen that for for the last many years, but I just I feel it's, it's going more and more in that direction. So just like you've seen with the uh, cleaning and canteen or, you know, in, in bigger companies, uh, that the, the company is not necessarily the reception. Um, at least that's what mm. we see in Scandinavia. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> the same in the UK. But, um, but, but we do see that more and more of the non-essential uh, workers are not in the company itself. Mm. Um, maybe you can't get them because they are... It's difficult to bring them in on a full-time employment uh, cost mm. or, or just, you know, keeping them interested. Okay. Or maybe it's just because you only have like peak periods where you need to, to develop something like that. So, so I think we see more, more of that. Um, yep. We have, uh, at our company, we have a, what we call a travel team of, I think, 30 people now that we shift around the different companies. Mm -hmm. So when there's a, a special project, peak period, uh, yeah, maternity leave or something like that, we, we bring in the people we need. And it's mostly, nah, I wouldn't say that. It's, it's, a lot of them are actually project managers, but it's not full-time. So they, they kind of know our ways of working, the methods, mm -hmm. uh, swim lanes and all that. And then they know when to call in other people. Mm. Um, at, yeah, that's kind of where, where we mm. are now. Um, but we do have all kinds of resources that we bring in, really dependent on the, the task that the company Interesting, does. interesting. Okay, so let's walk down the list. Um, I think the next thing was like a content studio. Um, first of all, what's the difference between a content studio and an in-house creative agency? Well, so for, for me, the content studio is more producing the day-to-day. -day. It would be social media uh, content and, and so on. Uh, whether the creative agency would actually run campaigns, working on paid advertising and, and so on. And on top of it, you would have the level four, so to speak, would be the, the real creative agencies doing commercials and, ad, and outdoor advertising Got and it. so on. So for me, the content studio is, is especially when you talk e-commerce, and now I'm referring back to when we do, did, when I was at George Jensen, where we, we we had a web shop and we had to take photos of all the products. We had to write all the the website content, uh, but also do some of the the more storytelling aspects of it. Um, so that would be the, the the content studio. You would actually have you know in the production studio, it's more craftsmanship. 
its designers, its 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 UX, and so on. Uh, in the content studio, it's also a bit more creative work. I hope I'm not putting anyone down. No, 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 no. UX yeah. and UI is yeah, creative yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the craftsmanship are the builders, the engineers. The content yeah. are the artists, the performers who can tell stories, who have soul. Yeah. And you need both to work. So, so yeah, it, yeah. it makes it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And um, so, so in with the with the content, you're going to have copywriters, I, I presume. You're going to have photographers. You're going to have videographers. People with those skills that could put produced content, whether it's UGC looking, you know, content or or um, well produced content out there. Um, how does their work at at the content studio sort of sync and not sort of interrupt level four, which is like, you know, a real creative, you know, because they're going to be putting out messaging on the outside. How do you synchronize um, content quality or consistency across both? um... Yes. So, but that's also one of the bigger issues. So normally we work closely with, let's call it the lead agency and the marketing department. So, so we have basically a wish list when they go to the creative agencies we also want to we want the deliverables that they're producing back so we can do re-edits we can you know edit the stuff repurpose some of the stories that they're using but we also you know factor in some of the things that we want them to produce so whenever they are producing bigger commercials it would be nice to have a behind the scenes video or maybe when we have the models and we have i'm just talking george jensen here they have all the the rings on their fingers and so on it would be nice to produce extra materials so that's how they they work with so they're doing the the bigger the more fancy stuff and then we maybe bring in a photographer to do uh, behind the scenes to do model shots or something like that for the e-commerce shop at the same time Got it. Uh, so we we work like in tandem with the creative agencies um, as as well. Got it, got it, got it. Because you don't expect a creative agency to be delivering like your social media updates. You know what you're going to use. They might create it in bulk, uh, but you should have like that cadence, that internal in-house cadence to towards you know producing it yeah. with, with somebody. Okay, All right. That that makes sense. Okay, so um, just wrapping up. Um, What's what 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 are the the traps? And I don't mean it in a negative way, but but I mean it in in a conflict of from a conflict avoidance perspective. So for leaders listening to to this this episode, um, what are the common mistakes really um, they they make? You've seen make um, towards that journey to to more in house control, particularly in production and 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 content. Uh, the 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 big mistake that we see is that um, so there are actually two things we see. One of them is having that outside in perspective, where uh, you know when you have people in house, they only see the things that they used to do, and they're always doing the same. And you sometimes need people from coming in from from the outside and saying other companies are doing this, or you could also do it like that. This is a new fresh perspective. That's one of the the the, the bigger issues. Uh, another one would be um, would be swamped in meetings. It's it's really difficult for in-house creative teams to get that time off to do creative work because they're always you know on a backlog of doing this and that. Um, 
so so we see some of the companies that we work with they they we need to take them outside we need to say now you have set aside team to time sorry set aside time set aside time to do creative work um um because otherwise they're doing one post at a the time they're doing one page at a time and they're not really you know taking a step back and looking at at a fresh perspective so so that are the two main main uh pitfalls, downfalls of, of, of having an in-house interesting, team. Interesting, interesting. And, and I think those exercises are very important to have those conversations to, to really um, sometimes step out of the problem, you know, step out of the, the environment to, to really look down and, and have that, um, you know, um, view. Uh, and and the second point um, you 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 made was, was was also quite strong. Meetings, 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 meetings are the killer of um, of creativity. Really, um, they kill creativity. So so really, good. many creatives don't like staying meetings in the first place. Okay, so um, I think that is that's all. Do do you are there any other questions you think I should have asked you? Um. Yeah, so so one of the advantages of being in house is is that you can also sometimes go out of the brief. Um, so mm-hmm. one time I was at George Jensen and we were actually the, the working with the e-commerce team and they were coming down and saying, people are not buying our rings uh, online. We need to change the color of the buy button. And we say, oh, that sounds strange. Uh, could it be the color? Uh, yeah, they say, yeah, it's too Scandinavian, too uh, uh, dull looking. Um, and then we looked at the the hot jar, uh, you know, the heat maps of 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 the site, and looked at the user journeys, and we realized that it was a lot of men coming in, went to the shop, found a ring, clicked on it, went to the product page. Seems nice. They clicked buy, so they found the buy button, and then they clicked buy again and buy again, and then, only then they realized there was this drop-down of ring sizes, mm. and it has like these 14, 16 different sizes. And then people went blank. <laughs> the mouse was uh, not moving for a couple of seconds, and then they left mm. the page. And then we realized it's not really a, a question about the design, it's, it's solving a, a more human problem behind that business problem, behind that web problem. So what we did was uh, go back and instead of working on the project that we were actually supposed to work on, on the design of the website, we came up with a small app, or actually it's a web page, where you could steal a ring from your loved ones and put it on the screen and you could see the size. Um, and the good thing about that is that we d- it didn't cost a lot. I think most of it was time for us standing with measures uh, and rulers in in the store and making sure that we had the size correctly, mm. um, but it 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 worked really well as a as a brand campaign and also worked well on social media because a lot of wives would text uh, would tag their husbands and saying, "Oh, John, I think this one's for you" or something like that, and it actually spread that way. So, I mean. Of course, you could have come up this as an external agency, but the brief was just something different. And the whole story was about actually realizing there's another problem when you're working in-house. You have the possibility to say, I don't think we're working on the right problem right now. I think the problem is something else. And then you could gather in the morning and say, yeah, you're right. Let's do something completely different and work on it for a day or two. 
and come up with a totally different solution that actually solved the problem. Absolutely. So I think that's very much a testament of, of being close to the business, knowing, looking at the data, looking at the insights you get from your platforms that you wouldn't normally share with external people. And, and we, wasn't, we weren't a, small, a big team. I think we were five people working in the content team, graphic designers, copywriters, and, and, and me. Um, so it's not about having a big team. It's more about trusting each other, the, yeah, giving each other the trust to, to question things sometimes and say, let's, let's test something out and, and see if it's, if it's working. Uh, I, I love that story. I love that story. It, it started out with, with data. We're, we're not making sales. Why are we, why is this happening? And then you realize, oh, this is actually an issue. And the actual agility to build an app that's like a ring sizer sort of identifier. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And and then the outcome and, and you know, off the back of that. So, so I think that sense of agency and autonomy in-house enables you to solve the the bigger problems faster um, from, from, from what you, you, from that story you just, um, you know, shared with us. Well, Casper, I, I can go on and on and on. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, you know, up until now. Um, so it's two questions. Um, are you um, active on social media? If um, yes, which platform? Yeah, I'm, 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 I think I'm on all, of, <laughs> on all of them. I'm testing out. I'm very curious, but I would say mostly LinkedIn okay. uh, and and. I've just um, given you a follow and I will link to your, your LinkedIn profile from the show notes. And, and then, um, you've released, you, you're, 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 you're an author of two books. Um, one is win house, I believe win, win house. And, um, what's, yeah. what's the, 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 the other one. So I, I just brought okay. them. Yeah. They are just here. For, so one of them is called win, win yeah. house. Uh, how to move marketing in-house and have the best of both worlds. And the other one is called moving in-house. Okay. Um, they look really nice. Um, we'll link. I would take the first one. I, <laughs> the second one, this one. Win-win uh, house. One. Okay. Uh, well, I'll link to, to both books um, to in, in the show notes. Casper, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I like your questions. I mean, it makes me also question sometimes. You know, in house is not necessarily the the solution for everything. It's it's also finding the balance. Uh, so so thank Cheers. you so much for for your questions and for your time. Appreciate it. Cheers.